0: Hi, I'm Jessica, and I'm Ashley, and we're The Theme Parkettes. Find out more about us,
1: our store, our vacation planning services, and more at themeparkettes.com. Today, we have a guest on our show who we have been wanting to have on here for quite some time. This guy has been my friend for years. We actually met the night... I met my husband. That was (laughs) was a big night. He was the guy behind the Karaoke KJ booth at a bar called Sardo's in Burbank, which I frequented for years. The guest and I became friends. He was the DJ at my wedding. We've worked together as actors. As a theater director, I've been lucky enough to cast him and his beautiful voice in my shows. He's an actor, a singer, a host. He's an amazing voiceover artist with incredible credits, but also by day, he is a Universal Studios Hollywood tour guide.
0: But not only is he a tour guide, but when you're waiting in line for the tour, he's also one of the tour guides in the video. Claim Mm -hmm. to fame. Claim to fame. That's right. And we
1: are so excited to have him on our podcast to give us the real Behind the behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> behind, behind, behind. Behind the behind the behind the scenes. Please welcome Luke Adams. Ooh, Luke, okay, thanks Luke. for coming to the theme parkette. Thank
2: you for that wonderful introduction. I feel like I've known you forever as well, you know? so
1: Yeah, we have known each other for quite a while. I'm yeah. realizing now we've mm-hmm. had a lot of good times, but mm-hmm. you have been a Universal Hollywood tour guide for how long now?
2: I started in the spring of 18. They used to do two, pretty much two classes a year, spring and summer class. And uh, it, it's been a while since they've hired, but uh, right, because of of course the pandemic. But uh, yeah, I'm spring 18. When I see another person in my class in the break room, it's like spring 18, you know. <laughs> so that's the yeah. thing, we have to get into this because I
1: know there's people interested in how you actually would get to be able to do something like this. But before we get into that, I'd love to know uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your performer background, did I do a good job? Like you, ab-
2: you absolutely <laughs> did, and I've been one of these. I'm one of these people who likes to do a lot of things, and therefore I don't really focus on any one of them very hard. And and I'm very lucky though that a lot of things have kind of fallen in my lap over the years. Um, but yes, it's, um, you know, you say voiceover. I broke into voiceover in L.A. because one of our regulars at a place that I used those karaoke was Seth McFarlane And it was, uh, you know, I met him right as, I think, just a few months before Family Guy was canceled the first time and they were working on American Dad. And then Family Guy came back and I got to sing... Uh, there's a Back to the Future episode of yes. uh, Family Guy, yes. uh, Meet the Quagmires. I'm the guy who sings Earth Angel at <gasps> yep. the Enchantment of the Sea yep. Wait
0: a second. Yep. Jessica, you yep. <laughs> only... I Okay. I have so Wait. many questions at this yeah. podcast. Okay. We don't yeah. even have time for this.
2: <laughs>
1: Stewie also says his name, like his real name in the Star Wars one, too. Well, that was the really second.
2: Cool. In the first Star Wars episode, I'm the guy, the stormtrooper, I guess, on the intercom. When Peter, they're rescuing Princess Leia and is like, uh, everything fine here, situation normal, how are you? I'm the guy who's like, well, it's been better. You know, my girlfriend, she broke up with, you know, we had this whole <laughs> back and forth. But in the second one, Darth Stewie did, uh, when he was telepathically communicating with Luke, say, Luke? Luke Skywalker? Yes. Oh, I was trying to get a hold of Luke Adams. His number's right next to yours on my helmet phones. Um, how you doing? You know, you know that, that whole thing. And, and that was fun. Because yeah, you know, at one of the Seth parties, uh, somebody came up and go, they dropped your name in one of the episodes. because yeah. I knew a bunch of the writers and Seth at the time, and so that was kind of funny. That's Claim
1: awesome. Claim to fame, so but cool. again,
2: stumbled into it, knowing the right people, being in the right place, and being well, able to do. Well, also they heard, mass, he so. used
1: to come and hear you do karaoke, and you've got this great yeah. voice. So, yeah. you know, luck needs well, opportunity. Before meets this
2: turns into the Family Guy, I That's I know. <laughs> that was the wedding announcer in Ted two too. So. I was I just going to ask, did you yeah. do
0: any of the Ted movies?
2: I did. I did fly to Boston and, and do some a, a karaoke bar scene for Ted that got cut, where Mila <sighs> Kunis and Joe McHale were going to sing a song, but they couldn't get the rights to the song they were going to use because it was a, a, a musical, like a old school musical thing, and then the... the the people who own the rights, when they found out it was gonna be an R-rated movie, they said, well, we don't want our song associated with that. So it ended up changing to a concert they go to. There was another thing, like then, like three weeks before Ted 2 was gonna come out, Seth called me and was like, can you swing by here really quick? I just need you for a few minutes. And walked in literally 10 minutes in and out, was like, ladies and gentlemen, the bride and groom. And that's that's awesome. uh, you know that that's a, that's the easiest SAG screen credit residual yes. thing I've ever that's done awesome. in my life. I mean, you just <laughs> yeah.
1: did it right here for us, right now, for free. Yeah, yeah. Like- I know.
0: <laughs>
2: so you owe you owe me thousands of dollars. Now.
0: We'll get a bill in the mail.
2: Honestly, he's a great guy, and uh, just gave me a lot of opportunities that again I just stumbled into. So my original background's theater, and so I'm you know member of Equity, get gotten to do some great shows, but uh, but just love to perform, but you know, hate trying to get a job. so it, I end up doing a lot of things that just kind of get I stumbled upon. <laughs>
1: yeah but you didn't stumble upon the studio tour. That no. was something that you wanted to audition for, right?
2: The, the studio tour was one of the most difficult uh, things to get ever that i've ever had to go through and um i mean difficult in a good way but um basically if we have any people that are thinking about i'm not sure when they're going to reopen but they will be soon and i make you a promise uh to both ashley and jessica when the announcement comes out that they're going to be doing a hiring i'll get it to you guys so you can put it on your social media so if there are any 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 local people who think this might be a job you want to do uh, follow follow them and they'll get you a first notice. We'll put but it on our Insta. For example, the spring 18 class, when I applied, uh, over a thousand people put in application. <sighs> they came out in person with their headshots and resumes and lined around the block. And basically they set up a room at a hotel where people in studio tour, you know, uh, the team leaders and things like that, each get assigned somebody. Basically, you don't know which table you're gonna to go to. And and they sit down and they interview you for two or three minutes and say, thank you very much. You know, a lot of the people don't make it through there, but I think maybe two or 300 did, maybe a couple of hundred, I may be wrong. And you get brought back on another day. And it's basically an entire day of auditions and cuts, just like chorus line, you know, like they do a cold reading thing where you go up in a bit and do a cold reading and then they cut a group. And then you do some improvisation, storytelling and all the little things that they believe are part of what we do and cut, cut, cut. They eventually put, and I may be a little wrong in the numbers, but I think they put 20 or 22 of us into school, which means they hire you and you do 40 hours a week, five hours a day uh, of school basically you get a giant binder of universal studios history you get a sample script uh certain thing and then at the end of that process you do a basically an audition tour and i think two people from our cast our class were cut but wow. then the other 18 or 20 of us are offered positions so it is when you're talking about going from 1000 to 18 uh, it's a it's a pretty tough thing a lot of people apply more than once you know so if you don't get through the first time, I got lucky for my first audition, so I'm patting myself on the back uh, that I got that I got a job, and and then it was about a year later that they asked me to do the the uh, safety video in the queue line, which is cool. Just knowing that yeah. you know in a year, a hundred thousand people or more than a hundred thousand people go through the studio tour, so that's just kind of a fun thing to be the person who's, hi, I'm Luke, one of the tour yeah. guides at the park. Yeah, awesome. Welcome, you know, so that's, that was a surprise to me.
0: Luke, when you were talking about the binder piece, it reminded me of a, a friend of mine who um, became a volunteer docent at um, the Museum of Natural History in New York City. And it, it's like, as you were talking about the process, I was like, that sounds like such a similar process, which makes sense, given that the amount of history Mm-hmm. That you know, Universal has right that like you have to learn all these <laughs> these facts and figures and like things that have been filmed here and all of that stuff. I just think that that's both fascinating and also just such a a crazy like weight to take on, like responsibility of like knowing all of this stuff and being able to just well, just that's so impressive.
2: It's kind of I guess it's kind of a responsibility, but uh, it's also an opportunity. Because when you talk about, uh, uh, you know, Universal City, and this is where I don't want to go into my tour guide, Spiel, but founded (laughs) in 1915, so we're talking about 106 years of history. So basically, every building you ride past has a story. Not just a story, has dozens of stories, you know? So mm-hmm. in, in terms of the number of things that filmed, have filmed in any one particular building, our oldest soundstage was built in 1925. Wow. So when you talk about like Soundstage 12, that uh, up until last year was the home of The Voice, you know, mm-hmm. with all the big audience scenes, but that was also, in 1931, that was Dracula's castle.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
2: And it was Scarface's mansion, and it was the visitor Center in Jurassic Park. And so you're, you're passing by one building, and, and it's like, what do you want to talk about in this building? <laughs> right. And And so it, it, the other interesting thing is that I always encourage people in LA, uh, and even if you're visiting, take the tour more than once, because a common misconception is that we have a script and that this is just like any other ride. And if you go through it once, you're gonna get the same thing that you go through a second time. And we, don't, we have certain requirements, like if something is filming or something is about to hit theaters or, that we have to, to mention. Right. But we're out there for 45 minutes to sometimes 70 minutes based upon you know things, we get stalled or other things. And so different tour guides like talking about different things. I have I have friends of mine who tour guides. They focus on uh, you know uh, women in in uh, the history of Universal, or others that will focus on uh, you know certain uh, things that they enjoy, or movies that they've liked, or certain genres. And and uh, so you are going to get different information whenever you go.
1: Right, and they're okay with that, right? Yeah, just sort they're of okay making with Making it that. your own as long as yeah. you hit those specific things.
2: Yeah, that's the goal of it. The goal of it is we we have annual pass holders who come and have taken the tour probably 60 or 70 times, you know, but they get a different experience and they'll talk to us afterwards. They'll say, oh, well, what about this area? And um, I don't know, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but one (laughs) other thing that I think is kind of cool is the fact that there's no right time to take the studio tour. There's no wrong time to take the studio tour, but you should probably know based upon your own, what you want to get out of it, there are things that might suit you better. Like,
1: since we're- like hot tips. Let's get some hot tips. Okay, here's
2: some hot tips. Um, Let's say you're interested in seeing celebrities or seeing active film production. You want to be able to see people going to and from sets and costumes. Of course, Monday through Friday, when it's not a holiday, that's the best time that you might see, you know, a celebrity or somebody just going to their office or going to the set because that's a work day for them. But on the other hand, that's also a day that you might not get to go through Courthouse Square or the Metro sets or down Colonial Street or some of the other backlot areas because for the same reason, they're being used for filming. So if, if you came and you really want to see Courthouse Square, where Back to the Future and To Kill a Mockingbird and these classic movies were filmed, come on the weekend. But on the weekend, you're probably not going to see any active filming because you know the stars are off. But right. I would suggest come on a Saturday or a Sunday or a holiday time so that you can see as close to 100% of the back lot as possible. And then come on a weekday when we can say, hey, right there to your right, those are people getting in costume to go film Keenan season two that's filming over in, in uh, Soundstage 23. And uh, the other hot tip is don't expect me as the tour guide <laughs> to point out Ted Danson or, or any of the people on there because, well, for a couple of reasons, practical reasons, my back is to where the tram is going. I'm not going to see them until they're behind us. Right. But the other thing is we have a policy of if a celebrity or someone is on the, the, the set, if they acknowledge the tram, if they wave to the tram, I can then say their name and direct people to them. But if you're, I mean, and imagine as an actor, if you're just arriving and you're on your way to makeup or wardrobe or your hair hasn't been done and you just, or you're thinking about lines or you're thinking about the next scene, you don't want to be distracted by, by that kind of stuff. So if your head is down and you're just walking to go somewhere, even if I see you, I can't say your name. So there are a lot of times that I find out after the tour is over, when a guest came up comes up and says, did you see Mindy Kaling? And I'm like, I, I did not see Mindy Kaling, but I'm glad you I'm glad you got a picture, and and you know you should always that's that's why I tell people always always have your cameras, always take pictures. You never know who or what you're going to see, and don't expect me to point it out to you. <laughs> so, uh, wow. you know, for for practical reasons and for policy reasons. Yeah, so,
1: that all makes sense. They're they're all working. But yes, they're they working. Also, no, they're working at Universal, and the tour is going to come by. Yeah, <laughs> so... and that's and
2: and usually they plan their times. And the other thing is if, if we have up and coming stars, like in a new show and they're now series regulars, they're much more likely to with their publicists will even want them to come out there and wave or or say hi. And so Mm -hmm. we can, you know, and do those kinds of things. Um, But you know, it's again, it's a case by case basis. We had Vin Diesel stop one of the trams a few months ago to, to, to say hi to people taking the tour and he was on the lot and you know, so those kinds of things do happen. People always ask me, it's like, do we really see stars? Yes, of course we see stars because a lot of them have offices here on the lot that, you know, if if they have a production company or if they have, if they are there meeting with somebody, you know, on an upcoming project, they might not even be filming, but they might have to come on the lot for work reasons. So never know what you're going to see.
0: Do you have a focus like you were mentioning that people talk about certain things. Is there anything in particular that you like to focus on or highlight when you do the tours?
2: It's always my favorite movies. You're going to hear several things about Jurassic Park. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I do love Back to the Future, and I love a lot of those classic things. But also the history. I love the history of the studio tour. And since the studio tour has been around so long as well, uh, there's just certain things that are classic studio tour things. It's almost like, you know, not to mention another place, but kind of like, Jungle Cruise, you know, Mm -hmm. there are certain things that you know you're going to get, but you get a little different flavor based on your, you know, the guide. Uh, I love Jaws. I love the earthquake. It's it's it brings in that same kind of joy to me as when I first saw them. And and I try to make sure that, you know, somebody, no matter when, no matter what tour, somebody is taking the tour for the first time. So try and give them that experience.
1: I was lucky enough to take Luke's tour just recently. It was great. I actually did a TikTok live from the entire thing. Well, most of it. When, when you go in the buildings where you do the yeah. Fast and the Furious and the Kong, uh, that wasn't really a good time to be yeah. going live. Put but, your cameras um, away. Yeah, for those. <laughs> yeah, try to put your cameras away and put yeah. your 3D glasses on and enjoy this part. That's always mm-hmm. fun um, mm-hmm. because it's a long tour. If people, yeah. Some people don't realize it's like a can be up to an hour, right? Yeah. and um i can say from being on luke's tour not only was it great but yeah you focused on you brought out uh star trek
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah and 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 here's another misconception people think that you're only going to hear about universal properties when you're on the universal tour and we do focus of course we're going to focus on our properties because we love them we're proud of them and proud of the shows and proud of the movies but you know sometimes if i see somebody in the first car wearing a captain america T-shirt and we're riding up our New York street on the Metro sets. I will make sure I point out that Captain America, the first Avenger filmed on this New York street. And when Chris Evans, you know, got the super soldier serum and chased a Nazi, there were parts of that chase that were filmed on our back lot. And, and there are Disney movies and Warner brothers movies and TV shows and Sony TV because uh, one of my favorite things about Hollywood, Hollywood learned a lesson a long time ago that I think other industries and and not just industries, other things need to learn as well. That if we work together at like as studios to give directors the tools that they need to to tell the best story they can Mm All of us make better movies. All Mm -hmm. of us make better TV shows. So sometimes Universal director might need something on the Warner Brothers lot. And sometimes a Warner Brothers director might need something on the Universal lot. And the fact that we'll work together that way helps everybody. So even though it's competition, it's kind of friendly competition in Hollywood.
1: I have to think that because you're such a movie fan that helped you get this get this gig right? I mean, do you have advice for people going into audition or like either you are a movie person who can retain all this information and likes to talk about all this stuff or you're not?
2: What do you think? Yeah, I think with when you're applying for any job, think about the actual job and because no matter what, there will be a day where you wake up and it's a job. You're just going to do your work, but you've got to be able to, to, to put it into your mind that first of all i'm very lucky to be here all i have to do is look around me in the back lot on a beautiful day and go wow you know lucky to be here look there's the back lot you know and feel fortunate but do you are you the kind of person that likes talking about movies and tv shows and hollywood and the industry and and not just that but the incredible carpenters and set designers and makeup artists and wardrobe people all the things that come together to make a movie and and you know it's it's an overused word you know it's infotainment we try to be informative but we always try to be entertaining. If you left the tour and you didn't feel like you learned something, I did a bad job. If you if you didn't have fun, I had a bad. I did a bad job. So, that, but Is but that if you the...
1: do, Ashley, are we infotainment? Is that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I hope. I think so. Are we? I don't know.
1: <laughs> Hopefully, people have fun and learn things. That's <laughs> we right. do. I mean, we have fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we learn things about each other, about our guests. But yeah, you're totally right, Luke. I mean, I um, many. Many, many years ago, I interned at Universal and uh, for the studio, not for the park. But one of the benefits of being an intern there way back in the day was that we could take the studio tour, you know, basically whenever we wanted. And so I probably took it. I couldn't even tell you how many times. And you're totally (laughs) right. Like every time I took it, it was a different experience. I'm going to totally like (laughs) nerd out for a moment. But... As a Murder She Wrote fan, oh jeez. I just loved going. <laughs> Stop it, Jessica! I just loved going to Cabot Cove every time I was on the tour. It was like, yeah. but now when I watch mm-hmm. the show, I'm like, that is so far away from the state of Maine. Is so far <laughs> away from the state yeah. of Maine.
1: Yeah. I love the courthouse. Uh yeah. no, I, I don't think I knew until this moment that it was also the courthouse. So you just said it earlier from To Kill a, to Mockingbird. Kill a Mockingbird. I didn't know no, that either. I don't think same, I knew that.
2: Same courthouse square. It's it's in a lot of it's in it, a lot of classic black and white. You know Boo Radley's house from mm-hmm. To Kill a Mockingbird is still standing. Wow. It's in our Elm Street area of house facades which isn't part of the tour, but it is but it is still you know still there. used. Oh, and cool. and one of the houses on on we call it Colonial Street, it, it was used as Wisteria Lane. But all of those houses used to be scattered around the universal lot and they were brought together to make Colonial Street for the movie The Burbs with Tom Hanks, Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then it was used in a lot of TV shows and movies since then, but the Munster's house, mm-hmm. the original Munster's house, is still on our colonial street, and, and I always say, well, don't be, feel bad if you didn't recognize it. You've never seen it in color before, <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> and it's wow. true. It's just, you know, you give something a fresh paint job and, you know. That's That's the way for someone who
1: like loves a TV show or film to be able to Mm -hmm. see a set in person and it's still there and it's there for all these years. I love that. I don't know if everybody feels the same way I do because I work in television, but you know what I mean? I just I think it's really cool and I think it helps people understand a little bit more about our industry as well and Mm -hmm. how it works and makes you think about the behind the scenes people that people don't always think about. You know this isn't we don't always just film on actual streets sometimes you have to build the street so that you can always have uh the good place you know yeah. i yeah. loved mm-hmm. oh gosh when that was running and then you get to visit
2: and yeah see and we have still have the good place sets that's one of the great benefits of of being a studio tour guide not everybody in the park but i can go on my day off and i can go jogging around the back lot if i want to so i've got access i've got access to the back lot but but the other kind of thing is um I always try to tell people, here's another misconception when you're on the studio tour, a lot of things, even like the earthquake and the jaws, people always used to come up and say, well, that doesn't look very real. You know, that just looks, you know, it looks fake, you know, and I, I, I never use the word fake, but, um, but the thing is you have to get people to limit their focus. Because when you're on the studio tour, you're seeing everything all around you, 360 mm-hmm. degrees. And then every once in a while, I try and tell people on the tram, like, make a little box with your fingers, just like that statue when you were walking in the park. And try and look at the studio tour every once in a while, just try and look at it through that. It makes it makes New York Street look a lot more realistic because you're only seeing one or two buildings. It makes all of these facades look more realistic. Same thing with Little Europe. A- and it, it kind of gives you a different perspective And especially when you think about Jaws, everybody sees Jaws on the tour and they go, oh, that doesn't look real at all. But you know, that looks exactly like Shark that Steven Spielberg used in the movie. And that is an example of what a talented director can do. A talented director can take something like that Jaws, you know, that we're standing right next to it, doesn't look very real, but made an entire generation afraid to swim in the ocean. So so it is the magic of the of the movies and lighting and, and framing and, you know, sound effects and the music that all come together to make it feel very real when you're in the theater.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. All right. So let's get some like tour guide insider tips that you okay. already mm-hmm. mentioned different days of the week to go.
2: Mm-hmm. We all have our own tours. We, we do get a daily snapshot of what's filming on the lot today. And and some of those are you know prerequisites we have to talk about certain things, but other things are even NDAs. Mm-hmm. You know, things that we're not allowed to discuss. There are there are things filming on the lot right now that I know about that I just can't talk about. <laughs> because <laughs> universal, we have to agree to these non-disclosure agreements. And then usually after the movie comes out, we can talk about it, which sometimes is an awkward thing. Uh, uh, Christopher Nolan was filming scenes from Dunkirk in our in our uh, Falls Lake area. So mm-hmm. but we couldn't talk about it. We couldn't mention it. When they were filming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on our Six Points Texas sets, they were there for months. Brad Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh Quentin Tarantino. We couldn't talk about it, even though our tram would go right by, right and, by our, and our and so our guests awkward. would see would see Quentin Tarantino talking to Brad Pitt and we and couldn't like, talk um
0: what is that we, and you're like it's old- an <laughs> animatronic
2: <laughs> no uh we can we we can flat out say look there's some filming on the lot then i'm not allowed to talk about it but i highly recommend you have your cameras ready because you never know what you're going to see you know that's a good it's it's a good cover all you know yeah. for for every tour but it is especially true. I mean, there was a time when one of the Pirates of the Caribbean films was was had a giant pirate ship in front of our Falls Lake backdrop that the tram saw every day. I can't say anything about that giant pirate ship to you,
0: right? It's like the giant <laughs> elephant in the room, but at this yeah, time... It's it is. A this is a nondescript pirate, generic pirate ship. Nothing to see here. Yeah,
2: the NDA goes away once the movie is released. And a lot of times, like right now... Even though when they were filming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on our six point sets, we couldn't talk about it. But now it's a thing that we're asked to talk about because everybody has seen it in the last year or yeah. two. And, they've, and and it gives people that idea of, yes, you saw it in a movie. This is, this is exactly where they filmed those scenes.
1: So what's your personal favorite part of the tour?
2: Ooh. Or do uh, you have a
1: favorite fact? Like what's your favorite? Like is my, I say it every tour.
2: Oh, the one thing I say on every single tour is um or that I mention is uh, uh you know, I talk about Soundstage 12, but also I talk about uh Soundstage 21 which because it has a great history. Um Superstore, a lot of people when they watch Superstore on NBC, they thought that that was filmed in a superstore. The pilot was actually filmed in a uh, it was a former superstore that had closed up and they actually went in there and decorated it to be cloud nine and filmed the pilot. Once the show was picked up, all of the sets for the superstore were built inside three of our sound stages. So it's yeah, not an actual, it. it, it it's so not cool. an actual superstore, but the interesting thing for me about Sage 21 that was used in superstore is that as a Jurassic park fan, you remember the, the scene in Jurassic Park where the kids were up in the tree with Dr. Grant and the of dinosaur course. sneezed, course, yeah. covered the girl with dinosaur snot and all that stuff? That was also filmed in Soundstage 21. <laughs> what? Yes. And it, even though it's supposed to be a jungle and outside, they built the tree, they built the da- dinosaur, all of that. And so it, I think it's a great example because it gives you an idea of the space. And mm-hmm. speaking of space, that same... Uh, building was also NASA's Mission Control Center in Apollo 13, oh, so that's a good example yeah. of how versatile the spaces are. That's my little tour tour guide spiel on Soundstage 21. So I
1: love that, and we're back in the and car again. And, yes, and we're <laughs> back. Yeah.
2: So so the fact that they could trick you and think that you were outside, yeah, but yeah. everything there was was built inside. I think is so cool, and that's a tribute to the talented craftspeople I mean the people who build these sets yeah. the people who build uh you know the tree and the dinosaur that don't get a lot of credit but but the movies wouldn't be the movies without them
1: I remember Absolutely. I got to see um the National Treasure 2 set you know that part where they're like <laughs> balancing on a big I don't even know they have to f- figure out how to get on all the corners at the same time they oh made yeah they're that.
0: inside uh they're inside um Mount Rushmore
1: yeah, and looking for like Cibola, the city of the, gold. Not that I've seen that movie a million
0: times. Or amazing!
1: Or <laughs> I was like, "How much they, they've built everything? They don't have to CGI hardly anything. Like this yeah. is all real." I think we're just so used to sometimes seeing CGI that we forget that a lot of these sets are practically made, and can and
0: they're awesome to see. Okay, so Luke, as a tour guide, I'm sure you've been asked this. Well, I don't know if you've been asked this question, okay. but uh, there was a particular soundstage when I was there that has been around a very long time, that was always rumored to be haunted.
2: Ooh. (laughs) Look how you both do
0: that. uh,
2: (laughs) Well, I think a lot of that comes from, I mean, the silent film days and the old universal monster movies. So I don't want to debunk any kind of haunted <laughs> things, but I'm the worst person to ask about you it. Cause I don't really, ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. So, um, which now I'm going to get haunted tonight. Right. Of course yeah. that, that'd be yeah. the movie. You just set thing. yourself up. Yeah, you just, just set myself up, up for it, but it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of history. And when you think about, you know, some of the stuff that's happened in, in those different sound stages, I can understand why people would think, you know that a building might carry spirits with it, but but yeah, I think there's a... now. I will tell you, not haunted, but um, sound stages 16 and 17 did have a big raccoon problem. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, actual actual raccoons because here, when people raccoons always raccoons no, no, weird weird. Well okay. well, when people are on the tram, they see foxes and deers sometimes and rabbits because we are built in wilderness. you know and we have yeah, big open spaces of trees and grass. but but Superstore had such a raccoon problem in 16 and 17 that they wrote it into the show. Wow. That, I don't know if you watched the whole storyline of like raccoons are living in cloud nine. That's because actual raccoons were living in, in so the sound stages get or oh getting to the sound That's stages. So and, well, I don't know whether they got into the shot or not, but it just was one of those things just where, where fantasy you know, mimics reality. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we, it is an area with actual wildlife. I, I, one of my friends who's a studio tour guy was telling a story. There was somebody on the tour that was incredibly traumatized because of the flash flood sequence, there was a little fox oh, out there drinking God. water, no. drinking water no, 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 and was no, no. worried to death that the, flo- and, and she had to calm her, her down and just say, no, the, these foxes live here.
1: They know this happens. They okay. know the,
2: they know the timing of this flash flood, and they know this probably better than I do.
1: They could give the tour,
2: and, and yeah, and and after after the flood goes down, there's water, and you know it's a hot day. They're gonna go. They're gonna come and get a little little sip of water, and then they're gonna leave. <laughs> they're we we don't that. have. I mean, they're safe. But it is. I mean, for people who are taking the tour for the first time and they see a deer every once in a while, they'll say, "Hey, look at one of our famous uh, audio animatronic deers." Maybe we <laughs> listen closely. We get, and you know, I say, "No, just kidding." But but you know, we get actual animals on the tour that we yeah. see every once in a while. On the side so. of That's them amazing. Out. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: speaking of spooky stuff. Okay. You are also a tour guide on the Terror Tram during Halloween Horror Nights yes. in 2021, the, are you not?
2: On the Terror Tram, I <laughs> or speak I should like Yes, I say this. were you? Yes. This I'm, is going to give me nightmares yes. already.
0: I'm already like Welcome. not sleeping tonight. This is not You helpful. don't do that. Yeah, twice. <laughs> whole whole different
2: thing. Welcome to the Tram and you know it's a, it's a, it's a it's a lot more fun. It's actually closer to my normal tone of voice <laughs> to be down to be down here. I can actually no, like, hi, talk I'm like Luke. this. Yeah, other than <laughs> hi, yeah, you know, which which you know we kind of pitch our voices up because it cuts through the engine noise and it makes it you know it, mm-hmm. imagine if you were on a tour for somebody talking for an hour like this, it was just you know you'd fall asleep. Yeah, boring. So, yeah, yeah, nah. So, uh, so, but it is it, it's a little more relaxing on my vocal cords to do Terotram. and TeraTram's fun.
0: So, Luke, you mentioned that when you get stuck and there's a traffic jam, you've got to, you know, riff for five to seven minutes about something.
2: Well, I have done it a lot, but but it happens mostly during our summer peak season. You know, again, when the trams are really just going out every few minutes very quickly <laughs> uh, because anything happens to one. If, if then somebody has to stop for filming or somebody slow down, you create a traffic jam. And so... Um, especially during peak season, there are times when we might be stuck at any particular place in the park. The, the trick, and here's for our frequent uh, passengers on the studio tour, you should be able to know one trick. You can pretty much, at any place in the park, tie things back to Steven Spielberg. What? I mean, yeah, anywhere you are in the park, you can segue into... If if you've got Steven Spielberg material or if you've got Alfred Hitchcock mm-hmm. material, no matter where you are in the park, you can put it to good use and you might never use it. But if you can sit and talk for 5 minutes and then go into we have a couple of long clips about because Steven Spielberg started his career on the Universal lot. Right. And so and and, and so in every part of the lot there's something that Steven Spielberg had something to do with produced something whatever so and 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 it's somebody that they all know everyone knows so again that's kind of one of those things that if you're taking a tour and you've been sitting for a while and your tour guide starts talking about spielberg you're like okay we're vamping we're we're just (laughs) vamping now (laughs) we're waiting but but that does not mean don't pay attention to it it means that there is some incredibly valuable information and fun information but that we just normally don't have time to get to on the tour. Right. For example, every time we go through the bungalows, we point out Bungalow 5195 because that was the office of Sir Alfred Hitchcock. And the and we talk about what Hitchcock does. Mm-hmm. And we could vamp for a few minutes on Hitchcock and we could show a few clips. But then, you know, you're still sitting there in that area, you can say early in his career, a young director named Steven Spielberg was offered 5195 that same hitchcock bungalow to be his personal office but he turned it down because he felt like that should be a shrine to hitchcock that's a lot of pressure you know to put on a young director we think you're going to be the next you know the next sir alfred hitchcock yeah. but but look how it's turned out <laughs> i mean if anybody if anybody <laughs> has lived up to that kind of uh, comparison It's definitely Steven Spielberg, but lots of things that we can talk about. You know, we see War of the Worlds, we see Jaws, we see uh, even in Back to the Future produced by Steven Spielberg wouldn't have happened without Steven, you know, so there are lots of places, you know, our, our Six Points Texas sets, the oldest sets on the Universal backlot, Go back to the the westerns, but Steven Spielberg used them in the Color Purple. So wow. again, you can connect into, <laughs> it and just... then you can show your Spielberg clip, and then you can you know so there's a way to get to it your sounds material. Like,
1: like, two degrees of Steven Spielberg. It, it is. Of... <laughs> is the studio tour. It, it
2: really is, and, and you know I like to ask uh, is are there any young people out there who are wanting to maybe become filmmakers or work in in film? And I try to point out that well, if you have a smartphone in your pocket you have more movie making technology at your disposal right now than Steven Spielberg had when he was making his first movies. It takes mm-hmm. an imagination. It takes that. And I try to point out that, Hey, look around you and, and point out how even, even in your backyard, if, if you set the camera and all the, all you see, there are trees, those trees can be a forest in, you know, in another country because the audience's imagination fills in everything that's not in the frame. So Look around you when you get back home, and start thinking: thinking, okay, this could be somewhere else, and what kind of story would I tell in that place? And 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 just having that uh, kind of connection to yeah. to the master of it, and and the fact that uh, we can mention now, even though we have to say, don't do this yourself. But Steven Spielberg, <laughs> when he was uh, you know a student and trying to get first films made, he used to sneak on to the Universal lot. And he's talked about this in his own biographies. He would sneak on a lot, and he snuck on so often that he started saying goodbye to the security as he was leaving, <laughs> so that they just accepted that he was supposed to. You know, this is the late sixties, seventies. Uh, the security's a lot tighter now.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's, yeah, nice, just but, so that, possible.
2: but how much of his you know craft he learned from being around and seeing other people, and 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 you know learning from being there? So. Um, I, I like the fact that, you know, when we're on, if we're stuck for 10 minutes on New York street, uh, pointing out how it, you know, how, how it doesn't quite look real because every single, what would be building is a different architecture and looks different. And when you look at the whole thing, it just doesn't look real, but you got to limit your focus. Uh, I use this as, as an example, the TV show, how I met your mother. They had an episode of how I met your mother, where they were running all over New York trying to find where one of them had the best hamburger they'd ever had. I don't know if you ever saw that scene. But mm-hmm. but if they really filmed that all over New York City, it would have been ridiculously expensive. So they filmed it all within like a one-block area of our New York street yeah. because you could set up a camera in front of one of the buildings. Then when you're supposed to go across town, you just move the camera 100 feet. You get a different look. You turn the camera around. You get a different look. You move it. And so you have one base camp, but you tell a whole story you know, without having to move the cameras very much. That's the value of the back lot. And that's the value of being able to set it up however you want. And, um, you know, we're the same corner that they filmed How I Met Your Mother, Bram Stoker's Dracula, turned that same corner into London, hundreds of years old, covered the streets with dirt, put up gas lampposts and brought in horse-drawn carriages. And it was London. Yeah.
1: And for the price of your so theme cool. park admission. For
2: the price of your theme park admission. You get to
1: admission. see all of this history. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> now anybody's going to take my chair, they're like, oh, I've heard that before. No. But I mean, yeah, I but it day. is like when, you, when we stall, we have an opportunity to maybe go a little bit deeper into some subjects uh, that, that we think are fascinating or interesting. So I try to look at those stalls as an opportunity. And, yeah. and the number one rule they tell us, if you're stuck somewhere as a tour guide, look around and then talk about what you see.
0: So, Luke, yeah. do you have any, like, like any cool stories that you can share with us from being a guide?
2: Uh, okay. Should, should I tell my, my Dick Van Dyke story? Yes.
0: <laughs> you met
1: Dick We're, Van Dyke. You have the correct audience for this okay. story. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay. So, um, one of the things that's kind of cool, I, I, I know people through people just when you live in this city long enough you do you just do so for some reason or another i've known uh uh, dick van dyke's wife for a long time and and so she invited me and i brought my mom one time to go have thanksgiving dinner at dick van dyke's house which was super fun at one point i was sitting in the living room with dick van dyke one of my idols and And I start talking about Universal Studios and and some of the stuff I do as a tour guide and some of the things, especially like the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, which I don't work in and we don't even mention, it's a Warner Brothers property, they didn't film there, but it doesn't come up on the studio tour. But I just think that whole area of the park is really cool. He obviously did too, because less than a year later, it was the night before Dick Van Dyke's 90th birthday and I'm out with a friend and I get a call on my cell phone from his wife. And basically just says, hey, you know, the mister, I asked him what he wanted to do for his birthday. And he was talking about the things y'all were talking about at Universal. And he really wanted to see all of that stuff. So I immediately got on the phone, called my boss and had him call his boss and said, you know, basically Dick Van Dyke wants to come to the park tomorrow. What are we going to do? And, and got to meet them there. And we walked around. He, he rode Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. Which when you think writing that at 90 years old, I know some 20 year olds who are scared to write it. And he just yeah. loved it, had a awesome. wonderful time. Uh, we sang happy birthday to him in the Three Broomsticks and, and he watched the light show at the castle. They put aside a little area for him. Basically, we just got to roll out the red carpet for a Hollywood legend, but it all, it all just happened because I happened to be talking about Universal, one of the things that I love with, with him. And it made him think, hey, I wanna see that stuff. know that you were talking about i love that gosh
0: that is like the most epic story of all time i don't think you can actually oh
2: okay i will i will try now now that now the gauntlet has been thrown
0: (laughs) she threw it down yeah i wasn't intending to throw it down i just mean like how could you get greater than going on harry potter and the forbidden journey with Dave van dyke like sitting
2: right next to me and and it was just amazing because he's he's he was into it he was like
1: woo. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 awesome. um, I know there's a VIP tour experience as well. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yes. It's a, it's an opportunity for people who really want a, a, a kind of a one-on-one interaction with the tour guide. And also you want to be able to see things that aren't necessarily open to the public. Um, I, I, I'm not going to get into the prices of it because all that's available yeah, on the no. website and that, that fluctuates mm-hmm. based upon time of year and, and rush, but basically you, you know, based upon availability, you, you, you go through a uh, wardrobe area, you can see props, you can, and and having a, a studio tour guide that actually will take you in a smaller um, uh, uh, trolley and take you to areas of the back lot, like the war of the world set or our little Europe set, which is now the good place from the good place, which is amazing, but you get to get out and walk around. In a way that you cool. can't on the tram. If you jumped off the tram, again, you would You're be arrested. arrested. <laughs> but, well, I have to admit, I mentioned yeah. that in the video. Well, I don't say you'll be arrested. Please do not jump off the tram, you know, all this other stuff. But basically, if you want that up close, but the other benefits of it, and, and I especially recommend it if you can afford it and you only have one day at the park, because along with that, you do get the studio tour guide who's going to take you through the studio tour area in a small group but also walk with you throughout the park give you front of line access to the park there's a wonderful food option that's a vip uh, it, you know it's only for the vip guests so a private dining experience and and you get a I'd say whenever you're around one of the studio tour guides, you get a lot more opportunity to learn more about the history. Mm-hmm. You know, you give us a chance to talk, we'll, we're going to talk. About the
1: things that you specifically might be interested in. Yes. Yeah. so
2: that's the sad thing. Sometimes people are on the tour and I see them want to raise their hands and it's like, I have There's to ignore no you because we're on a yeah. tour of 160 <laughs> people and we're not doing Q&A. But if, if, if you want to do that, sometimes the, the VIP experience if you want to make sure you ride every ride, you get great food and you get one-on-one attention from a tour guide. Who's going to walk with you throughout the park and give you all of that. That's the way to do it. It's, it's the best of universal, you know, in a single day. Now there, there's one other kind of thing that I wanted to touch on that. I realized that Ooh. I completely skipped. Okay. Go ahead. None of universal parks would exist without the studio tour. The studio tour itself was the idea, you know, um, Carl Lemley used to invite people on the lot, they'd pay 25 cents, get a free chicken dinner, and watch people make silent movies. But the studio tour, in its current form, was the first of its kind with the glamour trams and uh, Edith Head designed the costumes for the tour guides. And, and it was that behind the scenes thing that no other studio had done. But it was from that that so many people were coming to take the studio tour that Universal started thinking, maybe we should do some rides. You know, so they put in an E.T. ride. They put in, you know, these other rides. And then from that became the park. I always try to tell people when they're starting the tour, we're leaving the theme park behind. We're heading into a working you know actual movie and television studio the oldest in hollywood we're three weeks older than paramount that's kind of cool got that, that where we've been making close. movies since <laughs> 1915 but when you think about universal parks in orlando or in, in, in now we've got them worldwide those don't exist without the universal studio tour
1: yeah the og
2: yeah it, it, it totally. and 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 in the company we call it the crown jewel of Universal Ooh. Parks. It's it's the crown jewel of Universal Parks and 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 I I would say the other reason that they're so they're so strict in terms of who they bring on as studio tour guides, like I said, whittling it down and whittling it down is because there's nobody else that a guest is going to spend an hour with. You know, interactions with with mm-hmm. Universal, you know, uh, team members, 5 minutes, 6 minutes, maybe if something went wrong, you right. know, 10 yeah. 15 minutes to try and fix something. But in terms of somebody that that a guest is going to spend a good chunk of their day, you know, listening to, learning from, whatever, that's it, you know. And and it's kind of unique in the world in terms of uh, theme parks. When you go to a theme park, you don't spend an hour with one per you know with one team member unless you're getting like a guided tour or something like that. Mm-hmm. So we take a little pride in the fact that we could we as Studio Tour. You know, whether you're talking about the studio tour ambassadors or studio tour guides or the drivers or the management of studio tour, that that all of this that we look at around the world, you know, started with us.
1: Definitely cool. (laughs) Tell how your love for Universal is. I think that's so great. Yeah.
0: Okay, Luke. So at the end of every episode, we do what we like to call the Theme Park Five Questions. What is your favorite non-Disney or Universal theme park?
2: it goes back to my childhood i grew up my first annual pass was at six flags over texas oh. cuz i grew up, i grew up in six flags and i've only gone back like once or twice as an adult but there is a bit of nostalgia going to the park that you used to go at when you were fourteen and fifteen.
0: Well, you and Jessica will have to make a trip oh, out there now that she is a Six Flags member influencer extraordinaire. All right.
2: Well, maybe somebody there will hear this and <laughs> yes, and please. I'll I'll come visit.
0: All three of
1: us. <laughs> I
2: I honestly I haven't been there in uh, at least a decade, but I just still have the warm fuzzy feelings and the nostalgia for the Judge Roy scream and the. Texas Shootout and all those old rides I used to ride when I was a kid. I think that's what instilled the love of theme parks in me.
0: What is your favorite Universal or and or favorite Disney park?
2: Oh, okay. Now this is like Sophie's Choice because I have, mm-hmm. I have Universal that I love, but I love because of one thing. But then when I go to a theme park, uh, I just recently did a trip to Universal Orlando, which I'd never been to Universal Orlando. And I loved my day at Islands of Adventure because I'm a roller coaster fanatic. But if I have to be honest, I love, I love Epcot. I love Epcot at, at Disney World. And I just, it, it hits me in all the right places in terms of my wanting to be a world traveler in a single day and, and, and getting that kind of authentic experience. And uh, so, so I'm gonna say I have two for very different reasons. Because it's not the rides at Epcot. It's the traveling around the world. And it's the food. And it's all that other stuff. Oh, we do yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. So I don't have to yes. tell you. But it's like, it, it is a Sophie's yeah. Choice. I'm going to say, I'm going to split those into, two. Uh, it, you know, I work at Universal uh, Hollywood. So I don't think it would be fair. And it wouldn't come off as genuine, even if I did say yes. Yeah. But But it's also because, you know, when you see any place every day, you don't get the tickles in your stomach that you get when you walk in the gate at Epcot or when you walk, or when I was, you know, in in Universal Orlando. It was a new park for me. And then, you know, that new park. That
1: new park smell. <laughs> did you get to ride the VelociCoaster?
2: Yes, I did. I rode it three times. Amazing. And, and and it was before it was technically open. I was there at the near the end of May, early June, and they were doing the tech rehearsals. I was there by myself. I did a one-person trip. Flew out... Did three days of the park, flew back.
1: I think that uh, we may have helped you a little bit with some yeah, of your planning. I, I actually never... did,
2: <laughs> and so now's my chance to plug you. The, it's a long answer, but when I was going out there, I listened to uh, the Theme Parkettes podcast about you know making the most of your time at Universal Orlando, Yay. and and did a lot of the food things. I had lunch and dinner reservations every day. I was yes. there. Yes, I <laughs> actually I, that's, I did it. That's the way I. That's the way I like to travel. Even when I go to Disney World, I I like I like to plan out meals. If that's weird, because I want to sample everything new. Oh, so I did. I did toothsome's. Toothsome's was great. I can't wait. Uh, For the people who don't know, uh, the Hard Rock Cafe at Universal City Walk in Hollywood is closed. And it is being converted into a toothsome. Tootsome. So, uh, and I cannot wait because it was delicious. Everything there was amazing. And I
1: remember I have to throw this in that also you texted me when it started to rain, <laughs> yes. and you were like, "Well, I feel like I should go on a water ride now. What should I do? I, I should I go over to Blue barges?" And I was like, "Get out of that line and go to Dudley Do rides right now."
2: <laughs> I was sopping wet because it started rain. It only rained one afternoon I was here, sopping wet, and I said, "Well, this is the opportunity to do water rides." Yeah. So I can't get any wetter when you're socks are wet, your shoes are wet. So I did both the water rides and then went back to my hotel, took a shower, changed clothes, and by the time I left it wasn't raining anymore. So it was a great experience.
0: (laughs) Smart strategy.
2: Looking like a drowned rat walking (laughs) through City Walk. uh, I don't care.
0: (laughs) Welcome to Florida.
2: Yeah. I I do a food I think food is a big part of my theme park experience.
1: Ashley, do you know anything about that, Ashley? Is that a the,
0: the, I, I mean I mean I, you know I've dabbled in some theme park food here and there I may or may not have made Jessica get up super early so that I could run to get my Mickey beignets first thing in the morning I don't know, you know okay wait we yeah. have more questions okay yes question sure. number three if you could only ride one ride the rest of your life what is your favorite ride of all time
2: so yeah, so I can't say studio tour, of course. Well, you can't I think I'm. Yeah, i an attraction. It's an attraction. It's an attraction. But, but uh, yeah, what? Weren't you the one that said there's only one ride at Disneyland?
1: Right, it's Mr. Toad's.
2: It's Mr. Mr. Toad's <laughs> Wild Ride, which I rode yesterday. <laughs> but everything else is an attraction. Um, yeah, it's true. but okay, okay. If I just had one, as of right now. It would have to be Rise of the Resistance yes. at at Galaxy's Edge, Star, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but I, I and I with all of these, I'm just thinking, what is the repeat value of it? And I think I've written I've written it like three or four times. It still gives me the awe factor when I you know there's certain I don't want to spoil anything, but there are certain times, and also the fact that it's a 20 minute experience as opposed to a three minute mm-hmm. ride. But if I could only ride one ride, it would probably be right now Velocicoaster, yep. because I love <laughs> so I love good. roller coasters and and I, I just don't think I could live in a world where I was no longer allowed to ride roller coasters. So if you're gonna pick one, pick the absolute best one you've ever ridden, and, and that hands down is Velocicoaster.
1: Everybody, we haven't talked about this yet on our podcast, but I also got to ride the Velocicoaster earlier this year. Uh, when Ashley and I went and did our four parks in two days. I also spent a day at, at Universal. And, oh my gosh, I get to ride the Velocicoaster. You're only in a lap bar, everybody. Yeah. And you do this amazing top hat. You are upside down. There are so many good twists and turns. It is so thrilling and exciting that everybody who gets off this roller coaster is cheering at the top of their lungs. Yes. It's so fun. I Sometimes I'll be sitting around and I'll just be thinking about the
2: VelociCoaster. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know what? And this is another weird thing for me in terms of attractions. The the line experience is an important thing to me. Like you can have a great ride, but if the 40 minutes spent before you get on the ride is you just standing in a thing, you know, yeah. in a maze and waiting six for legs. a turnstile and whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah like those Sorry, that that loses me. And and the VelociCoaster has a great Line the experience. Queue.
1: The queue is fantastic.
2: I, I just, I could not see myself living the rest of my life and not riding on a roller coaster ever again. So, has to be Velocicoaster right now.
0: Good choice. Even though I haven't ridden it yet. You, but you better. you heard me talk about it only you better. a million times. <laughs> you better do it. Literally, like, everybody in this, like, this our theme park hemisphere has ridden it and i'm the only one that yeah. hasn't so i now i'm gonna
2: have as to. a as a nbc universal employee i i people are gonna think i'm biased but no it is the best no, the well best. disney doesn't really specialize in roller coat i mean that's not their yeah. thing they have a different thing and we were talking about with halloween too they counter program very well like like mm-hmm. with dis with disney their halloween nights are trick-or-treating and the kids and whatever so universal win a different direction. Yeah. I can love both equally, but I don't even feel like it's a competition. Yeah. Just With so Hagrid's
1: different. motorbikes and Velocicoaster, they've,
0: they've hit yeah. another level for sure. Yeah. Universal yes. has
2: definitely picked up their, I mean, they've got the roller coaster game, Islands of adventure, the Hulk, the, the, the rocket, Oh, the, all of them, they're just, they're great coasters and they have great experiences.
0: So our second to last question is, do you have any Disney or theme park claims to fame? And I feel like we've covered some, some of your yeah. claims to some fame of already. Them, yeah. <laughs> any that we haven't covered.
2: Well, You're some of the them- in the video
0: at Universal, that, that's it.
2: Yeah, those are, those are ones we've talked about already. <laughs> and also, I was the very last customer, and I have a certificate to prove it, at the Burbank Ice Cream Shop, the B U R R B A K California Adventure, before they did the remodel, and they used to have the ice cream that was, they had like, like a, it wasn't a train, it looked like a train, and and um, and um they were shutting it down, that whole area, to do the remodel. uh. And so I went the last night, and I was like, I just kinda want to, and wasn't thinking anything of it, it was like, we're about to leave the park, let's go over to get an ice cream. And when I got there, I stood in the line, And it was right at park closing and they had a a person there, like in a suit. And he was like the something vice president of Disney parks and whatever, and, and said, we just, we want to, you're the final, you're the final person to take her. And they had a certificate and they put my name on it and they signed it. And I still have the certificate. It's like, thanks for taking the last ride, you know, one last ride on the Burbank, whatever i i need to pull it out at some point but it was just like kind of one of those weird random things (laughs) that's awesome
0: Uh, luke our last question is basically do you have any questions for us
2: okay i'm gonna do the thing and this is an inside joke with jessica okay uh it's not so much a question as a comment (laughs) sorry it's our it's our comic-con comic-con joke that we hate that when people get to throw the, the lights like a, I don't really have a question, but it's I have a comment. A comment a it's question. more comment than a question. That, That's yeah, worse things. I, so I preface it where I'm saying that as a joke, but I, it's it it is kind of a what inspired you to? I mean, you obviously both love theme parks. Like I love theme parks, but what inspired you to turn that into a? You know, a, a social media presence and a podcast and uh, and uh, all the other things that you've done with this. Because I think a lot of people out there have interests, but it takes a special kind of interest to devote the time and energy to it. <laughs> what was it? What was it that made you want to do this?
0: <laughs> to, like to not sound like I, I'm not I'm not kidding. I'm being serious. But it, a lot of it came out of the fact that, like, I had moved back east and Jess was still in L.A. And like we would be on the phone talking to each other and we would just spend time just, throughout the like, day
1: texting. Yeah, just talking each about other messages.
0: Like, theme park stuff and like Yeah, talking about, you know, new stuff that was happening at the parks and I don't remember how we decided. I think it we were sort of have, like, well if we like listening to ourselves talk, then somebody else my might idea. <laughs> it had to
1: have been my idea. I'm sure it because was. you are the Ashley is so knowledgeable about all things planning Disney. And I love that side, but I and I have the love and I'm probably more of like a roller coaster person than she is. And mm. I've, I think I've been to more theme parks than she has, but she is like the Disney expert. I mean, to me, I don't know anyone personally who knows as much about Disney as she doesn't, who has planned as many Disney trips for her friends as she had. And I had encouraged her and encouraged her as many <laughs> others have ha- have throughout the years to. Uh, become a travel agent, which of course she did and she is now and she's doing spectacularly because I was like, you have to oh, start nice. charging for your services because I we, I just pick your brain constantly and then it became like, you know what, I wonder if there's a world where we could take our conversations that we have on the phone and put them in a podcast and have these, con- like, we'll specifically be like, hey, let's not talk about this today. Let's put the microphones on and see if, <laughs> yeah. if anybody else would be interested. And it turns out we're not the only ones who love all things theme parks. Exactly. And I, I, I will say <laughs> my
2: the things on my bucket list, almost a lot of them have to do with, I've never been to a theme park in an, in another country. So someday I'm going to be contacting uh, you, Ashley, and say, okay, we're, we got to pl- help me plan <laughs> how, how I, I can do I this. I am
0: here. <laughs> I am ready whenever you want. I and I am more
2: often than not a solo traveler, so I have to do these things. Like I'm, I'm, I'm single. By the way, hey, <laughs> not. Oh, wait, that wasn't directed at Ashley. That was directed to our she is, listeners. She is but, engaged. But, but, but not not you, Ashley. That was the yeah, greatest, I'm, though. That was the best. I'm saying that you know, if maybe there's some single female theme park person out there. Who knows? Yeah,
1: you never yeah. know. I think there's something around about people born around our time in like the 20 years or whatever that like we grew up and like in 80s theme parks were becoming like a bigger thing. You know what I mean? And I think now as adults, we appreciate them. Plus the fact that theme parks have evolved so much into having you know food and alcohol yeah and yeah really great amazing restaurants and a grown-up
2: experience too yeah
1: you know i could get into the psychology of it all but i would just say that like i think ashley and i have made so many friends and met so many people because of our love for theme parks Yeah, and uh, and for planning and travel and me collecting things <laughs> from <laughs> yes. the days of your at theme parks and um you know it's just it's a fun Hobby. There could be a lot worse hobbies and a well, lot worse I know. things. What do you say? <laughs>
2: find something you love, find somebody who'll pay you to do it and you'll yep. never work never a work day, a in, day, your day in your life. Exactly. I so. think that's a
1: perfect that's note fair. to end on. Luke, tell people how they can find you online.
2: Well, yeah, you can find me on social media, Instagram. I'm Luke T. Adams and I'm also Luke T. Adams on Twitter. And you can find me on, uh, TikTok cuz I finally am starting to do some things on TikTok. My username there is Luke Adams 70, Luke Adams 70 because I guess there're just too many Luke Adamses in the world. I blame family guy. Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Something I blame like that's doing.
1: <laughs> to find out more about Ashley and I, our store, and Ashley's travel planning services, check out ThemeParkettes.com. On TikTok, we are at ThemeParkettes. And on Insta, we are at The ThemeParkettes. My personal Instagram is at Actor Jessica Gardner.
0: And mine is at HappyGoAshley.
1: We are Jessica and Ashley of the Theme Parkettes. And hey, if you see us sitting front row on Luke Adams' studio tour, come over to us and say hi. Remember, you can sit with us.
0: Thanks, everybody. And thanks, Luke.
2: And that's a wrap. I'll see you on the back lot.
0: Ooh. That might have been the fanciest (laughs) sign-off we've had so far. He's a professional.
2: Well, Yeah, yeah. I I do it several times a day. So there you go.
0: Thanks, Luke.